In this episode of Uptech Report, we speak with Brian Saunders, the founder and CEO of Big Time Software, a cloud-based software for professional services firms. They like to describe it as the operating system behind the greatest consulting firms on the planet. In our chat, Brian shares how he's grown the company to more than 2,000 customers in dozens of countries, a few hurdles he's had to overcome, and how he continues to innovate. All right. Thank you, Brian, for, for joining us. I'm excited to learn more about Big Time and also how you are innovating as an Great. entrepreneur. Uh, first off, tell me, what year did you start the business and like where is your where are you located? Yeah, right, right. Sure. We're a Midwestern company, so we've been in Chicago for a long time. I actually sold the last company that I started and, and uh, you know, we were a software services company. So we basically did consulting, like product consulting, you know, product market fit and uh, I thought, God, we didn't really have anything to manage that entire firm. So we grew. We, I, my partner always says we learned every lesson we learned through just brute experience. You know, like every every mistake you could make. You know, all the stuff that we tried to figure out. Oh, so that's why we manage capacity. Just all of these numbers that fit in professional services. So I thought, all right, you know, partially we wanted to start big time because I wanted to, you know, uh, eat the dog food, so to speak. You know, I get tired of consulting with people and saying, do these four things and they do one and two and skip three and wonder why four didn't happen. So that was part of it. And then part of it was there was just no tool out there to help companies go from five, 10 consultants all the way up to 50 or a hundred. And it's a, it's a huge struggle. So your industry specifically is professional services. Yeah, right. So we look at it as kind of three legs of the stool, right? Like uh, we, we serve a lot of what they call ACE, right? Architecture, engineering, and construction. So we don't have a lot of hard hats, but we have a lot of architects and engineers. Uh, and, and that's one leg. And then the second leg is IT services. So everybody who does a project, right? Mostly our customers are, you know, everything has everything they do has a snout and a tail. The snout's exciting and the tail's terrifying and they need to manage that whole beast, right? Um, and then we also do a fair amount with just regular, what you consider management consultants. And they could be super specialty, scientific. You know, we have nuclear engineers and guys who are underground doing geothermal and just all sorts of stuff. But, but ultimately, they all do the same thing. They all have a project. They all have to manage it, repeat it, figure out how to get their people to be more leveraged, that type of thing. Wow. And you have about, you said, 2,000 customers? Yeah, just over 2,000, right. Over 2000. Exactly, right. And each of them, you're, you're, you're helping to track their time, but they could be doing this themselves, spreadsheets. So tell me even more, like what's the pain point that you're helping to solve for them and really provide a whole next level of solution? Yeah, and it's interesting because a lot of them start out with spreadsheets, right? So that's that's kind of a classic beginner. And, you know, you talk a lot, we talked before the interview about entrepreneurs and kind of how things start. And honestly, before you're 10 or 15 people, you know, we don't really offer a lot of value to a three or four person firm. You got to get out there and just do the work you do, right? Like be a great consultant, be a great engineer, you know, do great buildings, build great software, uh, you know, be good for your clients. But as you grow, boy, that gets really hard to manage, right? Because think about it. If, if I've got 10 guys tracking on a spreadsheet, I don't know until they hand me the spreadsheet, where do we stand, right? And I, I got to go backward to talk to customers to figure out, okay, well, wait a second. You know, I know you told us that you only wanted to spend 20 grand this month, but, you know, we did something really cool. And the positive is you get all the benefit from that. And the negative is we got to come up with something that either, either I have to eat that extra money, you have to pay more or some, you know, we split the middle, but either way, it's not a fun conversation. So you would rather be on the front end of that. And that's what cloud-based software lets you do. And then a lot of these firms, 
you know, they're, they're, they're virtual now. You don't have an office with 30 or 50 consultants. You might have guys all over the country at client sites. You don't have that sites. face-to-face interaction anymore. They're not face-to-face. And so you get tools like Slack that are built around consolidating those teams. And I get that we use Slack internally. You know, I'll Slack somebody sitting outside my office, but instead of getting up and talking to them, but most of the people who are using that system are trying to integrate these disparate teams. And so for a services firm, that means... How much are we supposed to spend? When are things due? What's done and what's not? What's dependent on the stuff that I'm doing? What should I do today? And then, hey, help me feed that up the chain so that I don't have to have endless meetings to explain. So wait, where are we at again? So it really helps the ability when they're having more and more consultants to to scale and to automate all this tracking so it's faster response time, both for managing it and then also for client feedback. Tell me though, there are other tools out there that that track time. So tell me more about like your technology, the, the IP behind it. What's different about it? Well, so a lot of that is not necessarily IP that's driven, but more kind of workflow and process. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I don't remember if you're allowed to, to uh, patent workflow anymore. I'm not sure. I think that might have changed. But, but most of it is about the, the, you know, stepping into that journey that somebody goes through when they start a project, right? So it begins with a conversation with a customer about what they want, and it turns into a budget. And then it turns into kind of this vision and that vision then gets executed. And all along the way, people have to be connected. So it's not just about, hey, Alex, what did you spend an hour doing this morning, right? It's actually about stepping back and saying, how does that hour fit into the entire context? Not just of the project you're working on, but also your team. Are you doing the right stuff? Do we have you focus on the right tech? You know, are you getting the professional education you need? Are you going to be able to get this along with the nine other things you have on your plate done? And if you do have to make hard choices, which ultimately it's all about priorities, how can I help you be smarter about making those choices? Our guys might be on a plane talking about what they did three hours ago, or they might be, you know, in a, on a client site coming back and trying to summarize what happened that day, right? So professionals have a much different day-to-day workflow. And that's, I think, what sets big time apart. We might be one of the only kind of time and billing systems out there that are zeroed in on that consulting uh, experience. Got it. So uh, packages wise, are you based by per user or like what's your Most SaaS firms do that. Yeah. We, I mean, everybody struggles a little bit with how to structure that um, and we break it out by user. But really what we figured out uh, on packages was we do we do have larger packages for larger firms. Right. But it's really packages for larger uh, workflows. Right. And so think about you know a 10 person organization or a 20 person organization that you run let's say uh you might want to look at every invoice and just make sure before it goes out it it jives with what you believe the client needs to see you're going to know internally wait a second you know we had problems with this client or hold on we you know we did a ton of work overtime for them and i just talked to them about you know you're going to know stuff right as the company gets to 40 and 50 and 100 people you know, you might have to have two or three people looking at that to make sure that that invoice jives and they're going to, it's a conversation as opposed to review, right? Mm-hmm. All the way back to pricing, our, our, our feature sets are really divided into things that are complicated versus simple, uh-huh. but as your company grows, the system can grow with it. Start simple. And then as you grow, you can pay for more and get more complex as you have the ability to get hundred percent. So what about uh, partnerships or APIs, other connections uh, that you've established? Um, have you found any that, that you're currently using or looking at incorporating? Tons, yeah. Um, you know, APIs in enterprise software or integrations in enterprise software is a pretty big 
it's a hot topic, right? Which you know, it's probably why you asked the question. Um, the problem is that a lot of them are checking the box integrations, right? And so uh, are you integrated with, for example, you know, NetSuite? Yes, check. But when you get in there and actually try to integrate stuff, okay, well, wait a sec. Like this has to be a lot deeper and a lot smarter. You know what I mean? If I update the phone number in big time and I update the fax number or cell phone in, in you know, NetSuite, can I integrate those two or do I have to choose one or the other, right? So that simple idea um, is what we call deep integrations and we only do probably half a dozen of those. A couple of accounting packages, uh, Salesforce is important. We do a fairly deep integration with Slack for workflow and notifications. Um, but that's kind of where we, we tend to focus, those, those specifics. And then we have an API to deal with a lot of uh, the other stuff. Um, uh, business intelligence is big too. So we, we push all this information because it's cloud-based, right? So, so BI tools are used to having a database wherever it is, where it's hosted that they can pull from. Mm -hmm. So if you use Microsoft BI or you use Looker or any of those, you kind of need something, a big repository into which all this data pushes. And so uh, we support a couple of those repositories so that people can get their own BI. I appreciate your perspective on, you know, APIs just being a checkbox, but actually, are they, are they useful? Really Obviously, as, as you've grown over the years, you've, you've faced different uh, learning curves or things you've experienced like that. Tell me, what's one difficulty that you had to go through that you were able to uh, learn something from that others can learn from your experience? Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, um, so I would say, you know, one of the things that's key, obviously, I have a again, a Midwestern bias here, right? My, my bias is figure out the value, chase the value, you'll figure out the tech, right? And the reason I say that is because it's a hell of a lot easier to have a bottom line and talk about financing than it is to like basically be talking theoretically about what the bottom line might be eventually. So, so you know, chase value is my, my first advice, but then as you start to think about investors, their personalities and their approach to how they help you and mentor you is way more important than their cash, especially in today's market. That might change in a year or two, but in today's market, who they are and the value they provide sitting in a chair across from you is way more important than the check they cut. That is a powerful point of the board member and the, I love that they already gave you value before they even oh, it's went key. on with them. And think about it, it's, it's personality too. Like I, I get like some, some people need to have their butts kicked. Like I need somebody to push me. Some people, Hey, you, you know, I'd like you to point stuff out, but I, but I want you to help me. Some people need personnel. It's a personality thing. And so, uh, every investor has an entrepreneur out there whose personality meshes with theirs. And it's as much their responsibility as ours to figure out what fits, right? Like a good, solid, uh, uh, ethical investors will look at an entrepreneur and say, you know, he and I are going to clash or she and I are going to clash. That's not going to work. So I'm either going to get another partner involved or, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a pass on the investment. But unfortunately, you just have to own that yourself because at the end of the day, it's your company. So five years from now, where do you see your company? Yeah, it's a fair question. You know, we, I want to get deeper into these organizations. There's so much more workflow outside of just tracking the back office that we can facilitate. Um, so we will for sure grow. We'll probably do some international work. We're working on that now, kind of English speaking. The problems that we deal with aren't strictly, you know, kind of U.S. and Canadian. They're all over the world. Um, as we move up market, we have organizations that are, you know, not just hundreds, but thousands of users and they have offices all over the world. So I think we need to be able to approach that uh, geographically. 
which has some technology challenges. But then beyond that, there's a whole series of workflows that extend from what we're doing today. And the more we can facilitate that, I think the better off we'll be, we'll make the community, right? So even something as simple as you're an architect and you need IT services help, and why can't you come to the community to understand how to deal with that? Or, you know, how does one architecture firm with a ton of, uh, say, you know, CAD resources, leverage those resources where other firms might need them for just a few weeks, right? So how can we help our clients help each other? I like the vision of growth of global scaling, and now I'm to look into other languages and, and interactions, but also the community growth, figuring out how can you right. create the different partnerships and collaboration and improving on your product. And now with this uh, rounding uh, fund, funding round that you you have the the means to be able to, to pour growth, yeah. now it's just you have to provide the direction of clarity of where, where are you going and uh, the vision. Yeah, you got it. You got it, exactly. <laughs> any any uh, thoughts on overall of then future you kind of touched on a lot of these um, difficulties to scale a business, both your own or even other entrepreneurs of what it takes to scale and the difficulties that you imagine you're going to have to face. Yeah. So, so and a lot of that, like I said, you need partners that to help you go through it. Like, um, you know, I, I'm uh, again, I'm an old man. So, so I don't have much ego left. Right. So, so somebody can help awesome come in and help. That's what we're looking for. But ultimately, as the company grows, you know, there's some core values there about, you know, what we think about our customers, how we treat each other, you know, the types of people that we want to cultivate and, and, and nurture. Uh, and helping to instill those values while scaling up is really tough, right? And so you, uh, a lot of scale is process. And a lot of that kind of growth round funding involves bringing in uh, some horses that are just really good at the things that we used to skate by doing, right? Uh, and the hard part is making sure that all those really powerful, high-powered people are uh, knitted together with a set of values that mean, you know, five, 10 years from now, we build the company that we'll all be proud of, right? And so, you know, their job is to drive sales. Like, good, hey, your job is to drive growth of the company so that we're all proud of it. I'm going to look up in two years and we, you better have given me enough direction that we're built, the company we're building is the one we intended to build because my job is to drive sales, right? So, so that type of thing where you get these guys moving at a million miles an hour and you're still trying to keep them, you know, herded somewhat into a set of values that you'll all be proud of is, is, uh, is a real challenge. For you personally, how are you innovating? Where are you looking for, where are you looking to, to get your new insight from? You know, it's funny because everybody talks about innovation or, uh, you know, creativity as like a thing that you study or that you, you know, it's an effort. And I think it's all about exposure. So, you know, I tend to get out of the office a ton. I tend to go to, to uh, conferences that have nothing to do with, with, you know, enterprise software, just so that I can hear what other people are saying. You know, it's, sitting in the audience is just some no-name guy at Disrupt and listening to people talk about you know, AI and what they're doing in the, in the healthcare field, et cetera. You know, I come right back with people I need to talk to and, and uh, you know, potential for change that just, you know, is sparked on the side, right? So a lot of creativity is just being exposed to a lot of ideas. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of where I draw my inspiration from. And, you know, I, I, you, one of the things that you had talked about before, you know, things that you read, things that you pay attention to, blogs that you're on. And for me, a lot of that is, get outside of tech and understand how things work. If there are any books that you've been reading lately or audio books or podcasts, um, anything that come to your mind that someone else well, Okay, could... so first off, everybody has to listen to Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Revisionist History. Like that's a must. That's an absolutely must. If you're talking about podcasts, that's a must. It's phenomenally creative. And he also has this great, uh, you know, he's, he grew up as a reporter, so he knows, his, you know, 
uh, he can do a gotcha interview just as well as anybody else in the, in the market, right? Like don't let him fool you. But it's also got these insights that are driven kind of outside of the norm. And so his approach to questions, which is often kind of t looking at him from the side, is, a is just really interesting to listen to. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for, for joining us. Um, where can people go to learn more? Anything you'd uh, direct them to for, as a first I step? Would listen, bigtime.net. Feel free to email me if you have questions. Uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so that's a great way to get a hold of me. And, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to help all those companies out there grow. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.